Um, but here they were um, in the sea. Maybe they were planning on going to the mountain later. I don't know. But here um, they're in the Sea of Tiberias. And, and, and they're fishermen. And so they're going fishing again. Originally when Jesus had found them and called them, it was when they were fishing. And we'll get to that um, shortly. But we see the disciples were fishing. And then we see the disciples' failure to catch any fish. Here they're fishing all night long. And I know fishermen hate it when they don't catch anything all night long. But yet again, they'll still go back again. Don't try, don't try again and again. Um, and when using fishing poles, it's like, you know, just one more cast. They often get said over and over and over and over again. One time I did do I okay, this is my last one, and I caught something. And then it ended up not being my last, because I caught something, so I want to try again. But it was almost going to be my last. <laughs> but here they were fishing, and they were using nets, and they couldn't even catch anything in their nets. All night long, they've been fishing. And then morning comes. And then they see and hear a man that was standing on the shore. And the disciples didn't know it was Jesus yet at the time. And Jesus asked him, calls him children. He goes, children, have ye any meat? Now I don't know if Jesus was meaning children in, in the term of endearment. It sometimes God speaks to us as children. Or maybe he was speaking to them as are you a bunch of kids who can't catch anything? Where's the meat? You know, have you any um, meat? And they answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Now, this is very familiar. We see that Jesus had done a miracle like this before. Um, but we see they cast there for and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Think about the divine power of Christ. That all night long, Christ was able to withhold the fish from coming into them. That they would catch none. That they would go empty. Perhaps to show that without him, they could do nothing. Jesus had told him earlier, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Christ then called him, his disciples here, to obey his word, in a similar fashion as before, and promise a blessing with obedience. Go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5. We see a similar miracle. It says, And it came to pass, and as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. 
But the fishermen were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Um, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drop. And Simon answered, six, answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Fishing. 
fishing again. And what do we have Jesus calling on them to do this time? To follow him. So we're going to go back to um, John. We'll get some of the differences between the first and the second time here of gathering with the fish. Um, in the first one, the, the, the net break. It broke. Second time, there was a lot of big fish, but the net did not break. The first time, Peter doubted. Okay, never know. I said, I will. Word, I will. But we've been fishing all night long, and there's been nothing. This time, when they heard, they were interested. They wanted, they wanted to know. It, it, it's what sin signaled to them that it was Jesus. We see that one, the fish did right, as Jesus said would happen. And we see that um, it, it, in verse 7, it says, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. See, John just received a revelation, or just recognizing. Hey, you know what? This is the Lord. Perhaps he's remembering when Jesus told him this before, to lay down the net, and then the fish came. John recognized it pretty quick. And he let Peter know, you know what? This is the Lord. I know it! This is the Lord. And then the light bulb went on for Peter as well, that he recognized it. And then we see um, that it says, He girded his fishers coat on him, for he was naked, and then cast him into the sea. Now, for one of me, I, as I read this, I'm like, why in the world is a grown man on a ship naked with a whole bunch of other grown men fishing? Like, you know, and that's one of the last things you want to be is thinking while you're fishing. You know, you don't want to get stuck with hooks or all kinds of things. But just kind of digging a little bit deeper and stuff, you notice it talks about an outer coat. Okay, he went and grabs his outer coat. And so just kind of doing some more digging. And historically, um, what they would often do is at night, they always would do it at night as well. They wouldn't usually do this in the daytime because they wouldn't want to be seen. But they would still have their underclothes on, and, and, and they, what they would do is, it would be the person that would be jumping in the water. They didn't want to get all of their clothes wet. And so, so they would have some light underclothing on, and at night, they would jump in and get where they need to grab the net and bring it to the boat. And so here, though, we see now Peter does jump in the water, but he put his coat on him. And probably because, okay, it wouldn't be like that on shore, but once he got to shore, he would be one that be able to present himself well and be able to have his coat, his outer garment, on him. And so we see immediately what Peter was interested in was swimming towards Jesus. He cast him into the sea, and then he went to, toward the shore. It says, And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as if were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. Verse 9, As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. 
Jesus said unto him, Bring him the fish which ye have now caught. And so Jesus had a fire down. Fish cooking. And then he told him, Bring the rest of the fish. And here we see that Peter ends up being confronted by Jesus and being restored. Remember, before Jesus died, Peter denied him three times. He said, I know not the Lord, for I know not the man. And other would go unto him go, No, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And he cursed. He said, No, I know not the man. Jesus and Peter had never reconciled yet. Now, Jesus told them he would deny him um, three times. And we see in Mark chapter 14 and verse 29, Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crowed thrice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Says, you know, today, tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And here you're telling me, even if everyone else forsakes me, that you won't. You notice, it was around a fire that Peter denied Jesus three times. Just keeping warm, denying Jesus just before he was to be crucified. And it is now around a fire that Jesus begins restoring Peter back to him, following him by asking him three questions. In verse 15 of John 21, it says, So then they had died. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. Save unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. So he denied him three times. And now, Jesus questions him three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Perhaps that was a reminder to Peter that what he had just done in denying him three times. And Jesus even confronts him and says, Lovest thou me more than these? That could be talking about the other disciples. And when he said, you know what, though all would forsake me, I will not. Could be talking about the fish, talking about the occupation. That you know, before when I called you to follow me, you were commercial fishermen. 
And then you went back to that. When before you forsook God. Love is tell me more than these. Could be talking about that. Either way, he's questioning him about his love. Where is his affection? Do you love as much as the others do? Or are you loving more than these other things? And we see in verse 19 and 22, he says, follow me. 19, follow me. And then again in verse 22, it says, follow thou me. That was the message Jesus gave him in the beginning. He said, follow me. And at the time, they forsook all. And they followed him. They were no longer stuck in their occupation. They went on a journey with Jesus for about three and a half years, following him wherever he went, teaching and preaching in his name. We see Peter was restored. And the same Peter that denied him was once again following Jesus. We see that he would write the epistles that we know as First and Second Peter. And we see see that many of the things that Peter often struggled with, his mouth being rash, he would then write about being careful on how you speak. Before Peter was prideful, you would see much of him writing about humility. Jesus had changed his life. And now Peter was walking back with the Lord, even closer to the Lord than he had before. Jesus had told him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then when we see that the Holy Spirit was breathed upon them, that they were endued from a power, that Peter would preach, and, and 3,000 people called upon the Lord. 3,000 people got saved and then got baptized and got added unto the church. That indeed, the message that Jesus gave them, feed my sheep and feed my lambs, that you would be fishers of men instead of just fishing for fish. We see Jesus prophesies of his death. Verse 18, he goes, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. He's telling him he's going to have a martyr's death. Now right now, yeah, you get dressed, you go, and you do as you please. But a day is going to come when you'll have no control over that. That someone else will take you where you would not want to go. In history, there's some traditions, the Bible doesn't mention this specifically, but there's different traditions throughout history that have taught that um, Peter was crucified, and that as he was about to be crucified, that he said, that, you know, I am not worthy to be crucified in the manner of my Savior. Crucify me upside down. And then he was crucif crucified upside down. 
So now before before Peter told Jesus he would follow him even if all else forsook him, and now Jesus lets him know that for faithfully feeding his, his sheep, that one day he would indeed be persecuted, that he would be martyred. And Peter decided to follow him, even unto his death. But we see even before we get to that point, Peter gets pretty distracted. He says, eyes on others. Verse 20. It says, Then Peter turning about, seeing this disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast, a supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him, saying to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man be? Peter said, Okay, that's. I'm going to die one day. But what's going to happen with this man? And there are times they had these different views. Who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And who was going to be the least in the kingdom? Who was going to be the one that would betray? They had views. And here, Peter's wondering, okay, what's going to happen to John? What's going to happen to him? Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Okay? If John remains until I come back, what's that to thee? What does it matter to you? That was to be spoken in today's language, it would be mind your own business. So like, you know, it doesn't matter. What happens with John has no bearing on what, what, what happens with you. And he just tells them to focus on this. Follow thou me. Follow thou me. Don't worry about everybody else. You follow me. You know, sometimes we, even as Christians, we can kind of get our eyes on other people. Sometimes it can be in jealousy. Like, you know, why are they being blessed? We can be like, hey, I'm trying to follow you. They're not following you as much. Why am I struggling and they're seeming to be blessed? Or just, what about him? What about her? You know, what about that person? They're not even in church and they seem to be doing fine. I mean, I miss church once, and it seems like my life crumbles. Okay. God, get our eyes not focused on other people, but focused on Jesus and following Him. Not to worry about what everyone else is doing. Not even so consumed. Is my husband following the Lord? Is my wife following the Lord? Am I following? Yes, we can pray for our spouse, or pray for our children, pray for our parents, pray that they would all follow the Lord, but our eyes need to be focused on Jesus. How am I following Jesus, even if someone else is not? Because Jesus said this, a rumor started spreading between the disciples. They started to wonder, oh, is John just never going to die? What's going to happen? He goes, then went this saying abroad among the brethren, 
that that disciple should not die. And this John writing this now, though, he goes, Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I tarry, will day tarry till I come? What is that to be? God says, Only people know. Just squash in the room right here. He's not saying that. I'm never going to die. Hey, now, in Christ, he won't die as far as spiritually, he'll be with the Lord. But physically, he's like saying, he wasn't saying I'm not going to die. He's just basically saying, it's none of your business on what happens with John. Because this is the disciple who was testifying of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, and which, if they should be written, Everyone, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. You go back to the previous chapter in verse 31. Amen. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name. See here, John writes, many other things did Jesus do. Talk about for, you know, three and a half years during his public ministry. And we simply have four gospel accounts that write about it. And in a little bit of the epistle, speak about it too. But Jesus did many other miracles. Any other mighty deeds? So much. It says, you know, even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. What a mighty Savior we serve. Bible says they didn't end. But these are it. The purpose of the Word of God. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. It's not by hearing traditions, like you know, I mentioned that, you know, there's a tradition that Peter was martyred. That Peter was martyred by being crucified upside down. Okay. That may be true, that may be, if someone just made that up, I don't know. Faith doesn't come by that, but faith does come by the Word of God. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. That salvation is all through Jesus Christ. Over and over, John talks about how it's not through any works that we do. That it's not by the will of man, but that it's the saving work of God. And that we simply respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit to have faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And now, once we're saved, what should we do? You know, maybe there's been some of us that have denied Christ in our life. Well, Christ calls us back. Brings them back to the same scenario. And notice here, Jesus was the one serving them. Serve them bread and serve them fish. Again, showing even though he is king of kings, 
showing the humility of a servant. What a great God we get to follow. Great Savior. Not some egomaniac. Not some cruel, some evil God. But a true living God that loves and cares. Died in our place. Died is a substitute for our sins. And that we just believe on him as the Son of God. Believe that he rose again. That we may have eternal life. And follow him. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we read in your word, we see real life examples of those that had their struggles, that had their trials, that had their times where they denied you and forsook you. And yet you showed your grace. And where sin abounded, so much more did your grace abound. And that Peter was revived. That Peter was brought back into the fold. And that he would go on and feed your sheep, to feed your lambs, to preach the gospel. Lord, whatever you're calling me in our life, we know you do have a calling that sticks, and that's to follow you. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you help us to follow you through faith and faith, through trials and through joyous times. Love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.